Welcome to the gaming's greatest generation podcast where we discuss news, reviews, and all things video games with your hosts the OG Leo Holly, the overachiever Mark Lombardi, and Mr. Contradiction himself Matt Harms. Stay tuned for ways to connect with the G3 community, contribute to the show, or tell us about your greatest gaming experiences. Now, let's get to the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Gaming's Greatest Generation podcast, or G3 for short, a show for gamers by gamers, where we discuss the news, reviews, and culture surrounding video games. Today, in episode two, we'll talk about what we've been playing, and what we've been playing is catch up. In all seriousness, we started this podcast a little late in 2021, and we wanted to give the year uh, that kept giving a look back and uh, take a look at anything significant regarding our favorite pastime. I'm your host, Leo Holly, aka known as Ice on all gaming and social media platforms. And today I'm joined by Matt. Matt, how's you doing? Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm good to go here. Uh, I'm doing fine. I'm hoping that you're doing well as well. And for all our listeners or the lack thereof at the moment, we're glad you're joining us here on this special day. Happy National Video Game Day, everybody. Yeah, excellent point. Today is September 12th. Uh, we went ahead and we offset our our uh, recording schedule a little bit here, and coincidence would have it that we are recording this on National Video Games Day, so hope everybody's getting in them joystick and button mashes. Uh, so today we wanted to, as I said, go ahead and take a look back at uh, this past year, and we got a lot of news to cover. Um, we'll go ahead and start with some of the very first things. So one of the biggest ones that came from quite some time ago was uh, Activision Blizzard. So there have been a lot of talk over the past couple of years of uh, a lot of frat culture going on within game developers. And Activision Blizzard, by all means, is not the only one. Ubisoft actually went ahead, and uh, we'll go ahead and talk about that one first, because Ubisoft's story actually predates uh, what we know about Activision Blizzard going out publicly. And so Ubisoft had a very frat culture going on as well. There was uh, employee complaints of uh, basically bro behavior and females and maybe people of different uh, ethnic backgrounds or diversity not necessarily getting their fair look in the workplace. And so uh, at the end of the day, what just actually happened a couple of days ago uh, in this month of September was Ubisoft went ahead and and culminating from the firing uh, or letting go of several of these influential people, including their former chief creative officer, uh, they've gone ahead and appointed a new chief creative officer who happens to be a 20-year veteran. Uh, the name is Igor Manso. Uh, so he's a 20-year veteran of Ubisoft. And I mean, I found this one kind of interesting. He was the creative director on Writer's Republic. Uh, and he is going to be working with a couple other head honchos to basically push forward new ideas and whatnot. It doesn't, to me, it doesn't go ahead and capture anything about changing the culture in Ubisoft per se. Uh, when they went ahead and they had the the former uh, chief creative step down, uh, Yves Guimond, the CEO, went ahead and he stepped into that role temporarily. Uh, but so, Matt, I mean, when we're talking about uh, appointing a 20-year veteran to be the chief creative officer of a company that unfortunately has had a reputation the past year or so, uh, at least in so far as 2019, 2020 of, of the frat boy culture and whatever. Do you think that this is enough of a change to, to bring this guy in? And I mean, the employees have gone ahead and said that he doesn't really represent a super diverse perspective either, uh, seeing as how he's old white guy. But uh, what, do you, what do you think on this issue? 
I mean, really, what can you say? That's kind of a hard situation where, yeah, obviously you don't want to bring somebody who's young and fresh and absolutely has no experience into a senior role like that. Uh, you know, the 20 year veteran part is probably the primary reason that he'd be a good candidate for the position, at least from, you know, Ubisoft's perspective, perhaps understandably. So as far as trying to get, you know, someone with a fresh perspective in there, yeah, that might be tough in an industry where, you know, essentially all of the fresh perspectives that are coming in are all brand new people. You know what I mean? The, the industry is really only essentially a generation old, right? So you've got some people who, have, who are out there who are, you know, your 20, 30 year veterans or whatever that have been working on stuff for an insane amount of time. and They're very well experienced, but they may be coming from a culture that is a little dated at this point. And, you know, there may be some things that, that kind of grate against the uh, the newer people that are moving in. So it's it's kind of a hard conflict there. Uh, I would assume that it's going to, you know, maybe kind of ease over time as things continue to, to progress and evolve. Uh, but at least for this period right now, you're, you're going to have kind of those transitional issues where... I mean, even this guy right here, like you said, obviously there's a lack of diversity, perhaps maybe in his thoughts and processes as well. He's just maybe not, you know, I guess a D-bag who's mistreating his employees and everything doesn't have respect for his coworkers. As far as trying to get new voices into the positions of power, that's that's always a difficulty anywhere because the fresh perspective comes with, you know, an experience. <laughs> they can have a fresher mind on stuff and that's not usually well well sought after by those in, in the higher positions that are trying to bring somebody on to do their do you know their work kind of as an intermediary but i don't know buddy yeah that experience piece can kind of be the double-edged sword right we want the experience and game making but not necessarily the experience exactly. of... yeah you're still kind of entrenched in that culture at the same time yeah exactly exactly um so speaking of the culture so we'll see what happens with that uh that appointment there in ubisoft and uh you know, in due time, hopefully they won't be coming out with an Assassin's Creed every single year. That's like an 80 or 120 hour game that we got to try and keep up with. Um, but another appointment that they that... got to keep up with. <laughs> yeah, um, but some other appointments that happened was uh, surprise, surprise, Activision Blizzard. I already mentioned them earlier in the show. So they actually had an employee walkout uh, that happened in uh july the end of july and so what had happened is again complaints of frat boy culture the employees went ahead and put forward an open letter to the management actually uh and things that they said uh were not addressed so they staged the walkout because of discrimination harassment and unequal treatment in the workplace um and so what happened is they had their walkout activision blizzard Weirdly enough, I mean, it's weird to me. I'm I'm not very familiar with the corporate culture in this mindset, but uh, Activision Blizzard went ahead and offered paid day for any of those people that were involved in the walkout. So in, on the one hand, I could see that that's kind of a positive because it's like, hey, we support you, even if you're, you know, deciding to not work in support of this cause. But on the flip side, yeah. I'm sitting here going... Does that does that drive the nail on the head still? Because the whole point is for them to not succeed as a company to actually feel that impact of the employee walkout. And now the employees are getting paid. It's almost like the company is kind of on board with it or, or trying to silence it, which surprisingly is more or less what people were thinking when uh, the company went ahead and put forward its uh, response statement. I don't have that verbatim in front of me here, but needless to say, it was pretty lackluster. Uh, Bobby Kotick, the CEO, had to come out and give uh, a follow-up statement that basically said their initial statement was tone deaf and promised swift action. 
And so uh, it was kind of this tit for tat and the open letter that the uh, the employees went ahead and put forth once Activision Blizzard pushed back um, was they said the response did not address the following. It was the end of forced arbitration for all employees, worker participation in oversight of hiring and promotion policies, the need for greater pay transparency to ensure equality, and employee selection of a third party to audit human resource and other company processes. I mean, I'm I'm sure you were pretty familiar with this, Matt, because it was like blowing up, you know, all of our news for quite some time. But I mean, th this frat boy culture stuff, and they had the Cosby room and everything, right? They they even had folks <laughs> their own HR department that were involved in some of that frat boy behavior and and pictures and posts and tweets and uh, you know. Uh, personal messages and whatnot what's what's kind of your take on on all that i mean <laughs> i don't know it doesn't really surprise me to hear that kind of stuff it's you know a, a new industry with a bunch of people who all were pretty young when they got into this they've since grown older now uh you know upon however many years of having this behavior essentially not be accepted but not be you know like punished or whatever uh now they've got more money and all this cloud or whatever in the industry so there's going to be this assumption that well they're just going to kind of keep doing this or whatever uh maybe haven't adapted as much as say like you know an older industry older you know money would have uh done by now uh so now they're kind of getting the backlash uh, they're going to try and do whatever they can to make it seem like they are you know, changing things are going to get better. We'll 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 let you take a vacation day and get paid. You know, to protest outside the building or whatever. Um, I don't know if that's actually how that worked, but I would just make an assumption here that that's probably what the offer was. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. The the cultural uh, the culture, excuse me. Hopefully, will improve at least in terms of the actual workplace condition. You know what I mean? Uh, I would imagine that whether or not they bring in a third party is all that sounds a little hard to believe but uh, hopefully there will at least be you know improvements for workers who are not you know young white males or just white males or whatever who are you know getting bullied and in, in the workspace since it's not uh, really conducive to your growth or really anybody's growth <laughs> if, you're, if you're just kind of allowing that or participating in that um but I, as far as whether or not things will change in any real significant ways, I guess I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, we'll have to see. Again, we'll we'll have to keep an eye on this one because I hear I hear you with who knows whether or not they'll actually bring in third party. They did, however, so far bring in a third party uh, legal team. Uh, I'm trying to remember the name, uh, Wilmer Hale Law Firm, and so. What they did, Wilmer Hale's got an actual bad reputation that they're trying to knock because apparently they were brought in by Amazon when Amazon was trying to squash any uh, unionization efforts among its employees. So the idea of this law firm coming in to help, uh, you know, ease this transition of difficulty, if you will, going on within Activision Blizzard, it kind of raises an eyebrow because it's saying, okay, are you actually doing that or are you just trying to cover your tracks, which kind of the whole situation leads to the latter because now you got California 
uh, the Department of Fair Employment and Housing that's actually filing suit. They filed the suit originally in July against Activision Blizzard, basically saying they're withholding and suppressing evidence, even to the point where employees were encouraged by the management to talk to this law firm, Wilmer Hale, and because of, you know, uh, lawyer confidentiality, legal confidentiality standards, uh, basically then... Activision Blizzard was able to look back at the state of California, which is where they're based out of, and say, no, you actually can't get this information because it's essentially under NDA or it has, uh, you know, confidentiality with our law firm. So that one kind of raises my eyebrow a bit uh, and definitely we'll have to see what happens with this going forward. Uh, it, it's just to me, I agree with you that, you know, when you have these longstanding companies that have been around for a while, it's it's a little bit much, I think, for us to ask for them to constantly have these new and dare I say progressing, but like accepting ideas of the workplace culture changing and the people and representation within that that workplace changing as well. But at the same token, you're talking about another one of these companies that makes billions on billions on billions, right? Not just necessarily in World of Warcraft, but Activision Blizzard is also overhead for all the Call of Duty stuff. So it definitely begs the question of like, all right, where is this company going first and foremost? And then as such a strong beacon, what kind of light is it going to shine in the future? Uh, so moving right along, the other, did you have something to add on there? No, we can, we can move on. <laughs> All right, so the other big gotcha this year was the uh, Epic versus Apple lawsuit. So for anyone that remembers, I believe this happened late last year where Epic went ahead and filed lawsuit against Apple, basically claiming that Apple's walled garden was unfair to developers. It uh, went ahead and forced developers to use the Apple uh, ecosystem for payment methods. It didn't allow developers to go ahead and use their own payment methods. And so... Uh, on top of that, Apple, depending, I don't know how they determine this within the company, but they take commissions of 15 to 30 percent uh, based on the payment system. And so why was this a big deal in the first place? Because some people kind of look at this, you know, the non-core gamers look at this and they're like, eh, don't care. Don't I don't I don't really worry about that. So I actually crunched some of the numbers, though. And I looked and just Fortnite as one example, right? Fortnite made something like $5.1 billion in 2020. So when you go ahead and you take, and I lowballed it, I went with the 15%. If Apple went ahead and continued forcing Epic or any other developer, in this case, like Fortnite as the example, that would be something like a 700, I think it was over $720 million that Apple would get simply by hosting Fortnite on their platform and ensuring that uh, Epic forces uh, Apple to go ahead or, or Epic is forced to go ahead and pay to Apple this 15 to 30% per transaction. So I, I kind of got a little more as I went ahead and researched the topic a little more. It blew my mind at the amount of money that was on the table here. And it made a little more sense why Epic would be trying to challenge this. And so the latest findings actually that just came out earlier this week, the judge went ahead and uh, found that neither party is right nor wrong. Uh, they basically, the judge said that Epic should be allowed as as well as any other developer that wants to host on Apple. So it's kind of, it was this huge court case because. 
if anyone recalls, there was a lot of companies that came in there. I don't believe PlayStation was, but I know Microsoft uh, through Xbox was involved in this court case as witnesses um, and provided some degree of testimonial as well as I believe Nintendo. Um, but it went ahead and talked even about the walled gardens, if you will, of console development and, and getting your games on console and everything. But we're talking about a lot of money. And so uh, what the judge decided was Apple cannot restrict developers from going ahead and basically allowing customers through, let again, let's use the example of Fortnite, going outside the ecosystem or having like a a link, if you will, to Epic's page to go ahead and pay for v-bucks i think it's called v-bucks uh or anything else but it's not allowed uh, it's still going to allow apple to not permit payment within the apple ecosystem that does not receive commission if that makes sense um so it was this kind of 50 50 uh ruling if you will but tim sweeney the ceo of epic has already said it's not a win for them. And as far as they're concerned, they're going to now go past the courts and they're going to bring it to legislators to try and have legislators bring down that walled garden. Um, what are you thinking on this one? I know you're, you're all about, you know, the economics of things and, and fair use and all that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, ideally, I guess I would agree that it would be nice if the, the developer would have the ability to collect payment directly, I guess, from the customer to secure more money for them rather than see that go to Apple. But I, I don't know. I that that still is kind of then unfair to Apple, who puts in all the work and the money to maintain their ecosystem that they've built or whatever. Kind of somewhat shady as that is or whatever. I mean, obviously, there's the intention there of to control that ecosystem to harness as much you know money out of that equation that they can but that's the whole point right so you as epic you're like okay well we want to get money out of all of those customers or whatever so we'd like to put our game pretty please on you know your app store your apple app store or whatever whatever it's called yeah so i definitely hear you and i i kind of see it both ways i agree that if it's like a blank slate across the board hey here's five percent that Apple insists on charging all developers across the board for maintaining their their system, then I'm on board with it. But if it comes down to this whole like, oh, well, Fortnite, we've seen that you may, or Rocket League, whatever, right? Any properties of Epic or whoever. Oh, you know, we've seen that you make uh, several hundred million dollars. We want to charge you the 30% instead. It's like that that teetering scale is not the thing that i'm on board with the same way that i'm on board with everybody being treated equally i'm being i'm on board with everybody being charged equally um, yeah and so you know i guess that's kind of how i fall on that one we'll see though because i would imagine that uh it's going to be an even bigger blow if epic does turn to the legislators and congress and tries to get it so hey uh, Apple is no crap, not allowed to do this, right? And makes it uh, breaks down the walled garden, if you will. I'm curious what the kind of effect that would have in the long term on the commission fees and how much would be charged both on you know mobile and PC and console going forward in the future. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens with it. Uh, yeah, go ahead. That I don't know. Yeah, that would be interesting if they essentially got rid of that because <laughs> I mean that would then be a precedent that they're setting that would be applicable 
elsewhere. So now Microsoft and Sony wouldn't really be able to stop people from, you know, like <laughs> getting around, you know, losing their code. I, I don't know. Yeah, that would be that would be very interesting. Yeah, dude, most definitely. And that's why it's the news that matters. But you know what? It's not all bad news this year. We, we talked about a couple of dour points, if you will. But it, it's also been a lot of good news in the case of games. You know, when the whole reason why we talk about this podcast. Uh, and surprisingly enough, you know, I hear a lot of rhetoric or I've seen a lot of stuff out there on Twitter or whatnot. There's no games. There's no games. 2021 sucks. There's no games. Literally, I looked at it and dude, like when we look back, I think it's just, I, I don't know if it's this pandemic time, you know, timetable that we've got in our head where time no longer matters. Uh, but when you look at some of the releases that we've had this year alone, it's it's pretty bonkers. I mean, we had Hitman 3 and the Medium uh, particularly on Xbox back in January, we had control the PS5 and the Xbox series updates, uh, as well as Neo and Neo 2 remastered, Little Nightmares 2, and Super Mario 3D World and Bowser's Fury, The Sinking City on uh, PlayStation. All those came out in February. Marquette, Yakuza Like a Dragon, Apex Legends on Switch. Uh, Marvel's Avengers got its PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series update, uh, and Disco Elysium, the final cut. I know Disco Elysium is like a you know a favorite of yours. Uh, those came out on PS4 and 5 back in March, and then in April we had Outriders, Outworld: Soulstorm, Pac-Man '99, Super Meat Boy Forever, Genshin Impact, Returnal. I mean, seriously, that that's just up to April, right? So. I think this year has been pretty good for games, especially if you're in one of these subscription services, whether it's Game Pass or PlayStation Now. Do you agree or do you do you think that it's been a dry year, Matt? Let's put you on the pedestal. <laughs> no, no, I, I think that there's been a fairly healthy amount of releases coming out. Certainly, especially, I would agree, if yeah, you've got some kind of a you know, streaming subscription or whatever, then... I, at least from my experience, there's been no shortage of things to try out and do. Yeah, I, I would almost venture to say it's probably some of these filthy casuals that are out there going ahead and saying that kind of stuff because, you know, well, I don't have a new Madden or I don't have a new Call of Duty. Those those one, two, three big name titles that come out every year and the fact that it hasn't come out yet and, you know, these companies keep focusing on the holiday period like it's the only time people are willing or able to spend money. I'm guessing that's where they're going, but yeah, I mean, literally, I just named it off, like I said, just a couple titles. That's just a selection of titles uh, that I got at least off of the list from Game Informer, uh, and they went ahead and talked about video game release schedule for 2021, and dude, it's just insane, the amount of stuff that's on there. Uh, but you know what else is insane? The PlayStation Showcase 2021, which just happened uh, on the 9th, and we're going to go ahead and take a quick break, and we'll talk about that when we get back. Are you an industry insider? A professional interested in working with us? Maybe you just have an incredible gaming story to tell, but calling isn't your thing. Email us at gamingsgreatestgeneration at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. And welcome back. So now we're going to talk about the PlayStation Showcase. Holy cow. So this was essentially 
PlayStation's response or entry into the E3 world, if you will. For those that recall, PlayStation was not present for anything at E3. We heard from PC. Uh, we heard from Xbox. We heard from Switch. We unfortunately did not hear anything from PlayStation. And PlayStation fans, from the stuff I've seen on social media, were pretty hungry. And you know what? I would wager to say that they were rewarded pretty well. Uh, we went ahead and PlayStation announced, I want to say it was uh, just over a dozen titles. Uh, we had everything from Uncharted Legacy of Thieves, uh, which is coming out on PS5 and PC early 2022. So that, that's, again, the grouping of uh, Uncharted, uh, Thieves End, and the uh, Lost Legacy that pairing there being remastered. We got Deathloop coming out this month in September. We got Kena, Bridge of Spirits coming out in September. We got Vampire uh, The Masquerade Blood Hunt, which is coming out next year sometime. Uh, PlayStation also went as far as to announce some projects that don't really have dates, one including Project Eve, which looked kind of interesting. It was like a weird K-pop, like, Monster Slayer, at least by the way I was looking at it. I'm, I'm probably going to get thrashed for saying that. Um, but they also had some pretty heavy hitters in the sense of Rainbow Six Extraction, a title that we've been hearing about for quite some time. Uh, that's going to be coming out in January. Alan Wake Remastered is confirmed it's real it's coming out in october which is pretty nuts uh ghostwire tokyo uh unfortunately it looks like it's going to be pushed back a little bit or that's coming out in spring 2022 we don't have to look too far into the future to play that guardians of the galaxy game that uh, that we saw basically announced i believe at gamescom that's going to be coming out in october and then you got the heavy hitters in the playstation first party uh you got gran turismo 7 which is slated for March, I've gotten written here, March of uh, 23. I'm going to guess that that's a typo on my part. That seems pretty far out there. Uh, however, what is coming in 2023, they've announced Spider-Man 2. Uh, and I, I'm not going to lie, I definitely had my hairs crawling on my arm when I saw that, that trailer come up. As well as God of War Ragnarok, no release date on that one. Um, but we can imagine, I'm going to imagine that that's coming out late 22, if not into 23. Matt, was there anything from the PlayStation showcase that, uh, that you picked up on or that really kind of caught your attention? Of course, there is only one thing that I would have any interest in talking about with regard to the PlayStation showcase, but that would be the announcement of the remake of Knights of the Old Republic. Uh, that's one of the best video games I've ever played in my life, and I'm certainly happy to go through that one again uh hopefully you know with some nice shiny new graphics and some updated gameplay i am a little terrified that they're gonna butcher the combat system and make it just some silly action game where you're just pressing the a button or the x button or something a bunch of times to swing your lightsaber around but uh we'll see what they do with it they've already kind of discussed some of the ways that they're going to change some things they have confirmed that jennifer hale's coming back to play basilisk so that's cool so i don't know i'm i'm very curious to see what happens with it i'm keeping my fingers crossed it sounds thus far like ea hasn't really been involved a whole lot so i'd be curious to see what somebody who's you know not affiliated with ea can do with a, a licensed project by hooking up with you know lucas arts and everything uh i don't know fingers crossed it'll it'll be really cool <laughs> Yeah, I definitely feel you on that one. I mean, look what happened the last time EA didn't necessarily have their hands in the pot. We got Jedi Fallen Order, which by all accounts was an awesome game, right? I mean, you and, and some of our social circle were talking about that one earlier this week, if I recall. Yeah, Fallen Order was 
certainly an enjoyable title <laughs> when we were discussing it with the fellows they were kind of alluding to the fact that maybe that should be the combat style for Knights of the Old Republic when they remake that and I'm kind of thoroughly against that honestly I mean I feel like we've got that in Fallen Order and that's cool and you know they're working on a sequel for that game awesome let that be that like let's have KOTOR be its own thing <laughs> yeah I hear you there um I mean, I'm not going to lie. I was super, I was both exhilarated and frustrated um, because a lot of the stuff that I saw in the PlayStation Showcase, I was excited for. I was also beside myself, though, because womp, womp, I still don't have a PS5. Um, I, I don't know how long they're going to keep doing the cross-generational thing, and uh, we'll kind of talk about another another piece of news uh, that distinctly impacts that going forward. But for me, uh, I liked what I saw in the uh, Forspoken title. I didn't cover that one before. That is uh, slated to come out in spring of 2022. But that looks kind of cool. It almost looks like it's got some of the movement dynamics of uh, Returnal and the old Infamous series combined. It's kind of interesting. Uh, you know, a female with uh, that gets teleported or transported to this imaginary world or or something i don't know we don't know what the world is but it's pretty cool she's imbued with these powers thanks to this wrist bracelet cufflet something uh and it looks pretty interesting i, I already said spider-man 2 like dang I, I don't even know what what else to say there you know i went ahead and i platinumed out on uh the first spider-man game i went back and played all the dlc 100 percent of that whole thing and it was one of my top games of all time uh and you know i'm happy to say that uh god of war on the other hand i did not have a chance to play the first one yet and i feel like i'm gonna get my weapons if i don't before ragnarok comes out so i might hear before the end of the year somewhere among all the other titles that are supposed to come out between you know forza horizon 5 we got halo infinite we got battlefield 2042 like it's just going to be bonkers this holiday, but I think I'll somehow try and squeeze in some time to do some God of War. Uh, and then another personal one of mine, I don't know why, it just really stands out to me that I've been looking forward to, is that Kena Bridge of Spirits. Did you see that one, Matt? Have you seen that one before? Uh, I think I've seen that previously. Uh... Yeah, that one's, I, I want to say the studio is Ember. I, I believe it's made by Ember, but... Uh, these guys are fantastic. It's basically two brothers, and the stuff looks like, um, like Pixar. Like it's just it. it yeah, I mean it. Cool. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, I mean the graphics look very impressive. Um, beyond that, I mean I'm sure I'll try and tug at your heartstrings and stuff. I don't know. I, I I'd be curious to see a little more of it. I guess. Uh, but but yeah, I mean it looks incredible. As the actual <laughs> visual stylings are concerned, well, you know what, you're going to see a whole lot more of it because once again, that's going to be coming out in September. I, that might be a title I got to snag on on PC because that's also going to be available on the Epic Game Store, um, and that is simply because I can't get my hands on a PlayStation Five, unfortunately. And we'll go ahead and we'll talk about how some of the console news is affecting us and everybody else here uh, in just a moment after this break. Want to contribute to the show? Maybe you want to try your chances at a question being aired? Give us a call at 702-690-9292 and you might find yourself so lucky. 
And welcome back to Gaming's Greatest Generation. So we have covered uh, news, and I think we've covered it up to the current day, so we won't have to cover that much more aside from late-breaking stuff. We talked about the PlayStation Showcase 2021 and how excited we are about some, or in Matt's case, one of the titles uh, going forward. And then uh, we talked a little bit about the availability of PlayStation 5, and unfortunately, um, there was some news that came out, if I can find my notes here, from GameIndustry.biz, they actually got some quotes from Toshiba, of all people. Yeah, Toshiba, the manufacturers that make laptops and whatnot. Uh, basically, their predictions, since they are part of the production line or they have their own production line related with semiconductors, is saying, in some cases, this is a quote, in some cases, we may find some customers not being fully served until 2023, end quote. I'm not going to lie. That's just a punch in the gut. Uh, as somebody who you know, really is a core gamer like you, Matt, and and wants to go ahead and enjoy the top of the line stuff out there. I, I am fortunate enough that I have the disposable income to enjoy this great, albeit expensive hobby of ours. And I've also been trying to go ahead and finish building, uh, you know, my huge gaming PC. I mean, th- this really hurts. Is this, do you believe what Toshiba's saying? Do you think it's going to get better or worse or what? I mean, honestly, I I don't know. I mean, I'd love to believe that, you know, we'll have a massive flood of uh, chips coming back onto the market tomorrow. But uh, everything that I have been seeing, at least as far as headlines that, you know, keep popping up in the news are saying that, yeah, it does seem to be that this is probably going to go at least into 2023. Uh, that is very unfortunate because i mean you're over here complaining you can't get a playstation 5 but you have got your hands on the series x which is uh something that a lot of us uh still have yet to been able to do so uh it's definitely a bummer i'm not really sure that there's a whole lot of way around it i mean intel's trying to come out with their uh chips that they're trying to bring to market i'm not really sure that that's gonna make a huge dent in any kind of console sales since that's not involved and I'm not really sure I guess what to expect from their stuff anyway and how that'll how that'll work out although that'll be interesting to see uh, but yeah I mean it, it wouldn't shock me if it's going to be a little while until we really see something else come in the form of a huge uh, uh, market push where things are available again uh, sadly with the way that the whole scalping market is going at the moment anyway with people having all these bots that are scooping everything up that's hopefully we'll find a way around that but i don't know i suspect that will continue to be an issue throughout the, throughout the time as well yeah so as we continue uh going through some more rumors here i guess we'll go ahead and, and consider that one more or less confirmed especially since it's coming from one of uh these major manufacturers that we all hopefully all know the name of um, but when we talk about uh, some rumors and whatnot, I find it interesting that you went ahead and you pointed out Intel because, yeah, the Xbox uh, in particular, right, the Xbox and the PlayStation don't use the Intel chips. They use AMD chips, uh, at least as far as the CPUs, right? But since microprocessors also deal with silicon, the silicon is what helps create the processors or our components of it. Um, I found this at least in one or two different places, and it's just kind of it, it's it's crazy to me. We talked about it previously this week, but you got discussion or rumor coming out about console refreshes, actual console refreshes. So let's just, let's just pause and let's take a take in mind that PlayStation has gone ahead and, in a sense, they've come out with 
a pseudo refresh uh, in their latest iteration or edition model of the PlayStation 5, but the, there's nothing really that's changed there with the exception of the heatsink. Um, they've gone ahead and made the heatsink slightly smaller, which I'm not sure how they did that, and they actually didn't change the console form mm -hmm. factor. So the form factor and size is essentially the same. It weighs a little bit less. Yeah. But uh, people are supposedly saying that that performs a little bit better. Now, that aside, people are talking about the no-crap PS5 and the Xbox Series consoles, I'm guessing more particularly the Series X, are going to have a refresh potentially as early as 2023. I, I wouldn't give this the time of day, but this is the second or third time from different sources that I've kind of seen this, and I don't necessarily want to put names out there on where I've seen it, just in case it does turn out to be rumor. But what what do you think about this one? I don't know. I mean, it's it's really hard to say for sure. I I wouldn't I wouldn't discard it though. As far as you know, a, a theory of something that could definitely happen. The consoles themselves, as it is right now, have some limited you know hard drive kind of issues. Uh, the expandable storage solution that Microsoft has offered is not ideal. Uh, opening up your console and trying to install, a, you know, another one terabyte into your PS5 is probably not ideal experience for a console gamer either. So, I wouldn't be too shocked if, if nothing else, if they, you know, set up something to kind of bulk up the availability on the, the drives, just kind of on the console itself. Ultimately, the chips, if they start coming back into, you know, a wide, wider availability within the market, will allow for the cost of what they're currently using to kind of come down so they can offset the fact that you know the cost there is going down with the increased cost of an expanded ssd which will hopefully have also kind of maybe come down a little bit being more in demand uh, over the next few years um yeah i mean it wouldn't shock me i wouldn't expect anything real huge as far as like you know oh yeah now like i mean i'll let you move into i guess one of the things you've heard but i wouldn't expect them to be you know making huge pushes for any huge increase in like performance targets or anything uh but i would think it would more just be about trying to increase the on unit you know drive space yeah and the, the piece you're alluding to there is one of the rumors that we talked about offline uh whereby this refresh won't actually be just the the slimming form factor like we've seen in the generations past at least specifically i've seen one person talk about um and a, a decently credible source let me put that out there it's not just some joe blow who's tweeting into the nether sphere um, but this person was talking about PlayStation is intent on targeting the 8K premier gaming market with this refresh. Now, I would imagine that Xbox would maybe try and do similar. But at the same token, I think, again, having my hands very fortunately on a Series X and seeing the uh, velocity architecture, seeing the quick resume, seeing all these things that were basically like buzzwords at, at E3, you know, a year ago, um, I'm sitting here looking at this console now, getting my hands on. I'm going, oh, okay, that's kind of interesting. So I would almost imagine that Xbox would go in another direction rather than targeting AK, which who can afford an AK TV right now realistically, right? Um, but I would imagine they'd go somewhere more in the direction of services and making it a, a more bang for buck value rather than trying to get this ultra premium high tier where, again, rumor, 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 
uh, PlayStation would be looking somewhere in the range of six to seven hundred dollars per console. The the thing that stands more potential truth to me is the notion of both PlayStation and Xbox as we get more production and R and D done in the CPU space. Uh, you know, smaller architectures. I saw that both of these competitors may be moving in that direction, whereas. Uh, don't quote me, but I want to say it was something like PlayStation moving in the direction of seven nanometer chips and uh, Xbox moving in the direction of six nanometer chips. Now that I could potentially see as we talk about the availability of silicon and whatnot, I could see that potentially playing a role maybe down the line in availability. But outside of that, I mean, I, I think this is way, way rumor right now. And they would essentially be really cutting themselves off at the knees by trying to bring out a, a console refresh, especially one if they have any potential of making uh, their actual MSRP or any type of profitability of. I mean, do you kind of agree with my points or disagree? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I had not heard all that about the PlayStation and the Xbox kind of reducing chip size and everything. I, it's, I, I don't know. I, I would be pretty shocked. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I can't say that I it's not gonna happen, can't prove a negative, whatever, but that that's that sounds pretty far fetched to me. <laughs> well, okay, sounds good. So we'll keep that in the rumor box. But you know what doesn't sound super far fetched is this whole uh, agreement of Hideo Kojima and Kojima Productions working with Xbox to go ahead and build uh, an exclusive game for the Xbox portfolio. Now uh, a lot of people, this was announced earlier this year, back in July, I think the news went public, but uh, this got a lot of people upset, I guess, because somehow, some way, Kojima instantly means PlayStation, or at least that's what it's meant in the past. People really kind of got that those two melded in their minds together, similar to like, oh, Spider-Man games and PlayStation, because Sony has that uh, contract with Marvel that they get to do the movies. So they also somehow wiggled their way into Spider-Man games. And lucky for them that Insomniac makes some fantastic games, uh, including, uh, we didn't get to talk about it before, but the Wolverine that they teased at the PlayStation showcase, which I'm going to super be looking forward to. But Kojima Productions, I mean, yeah, they made Death Stranding. They made the Metal Gear games. A lot of people were hoping this was going to be a Silent Hill or something to that effect. Matt, what do you think is going to happen with Kojima and Xbox? <laughs> I mean, I, I have no idea. Anything and everything is speculation at this point. I did see somebody talking about how they think and they almost like are hoping that uh, it's going to be a, uh, some kind of a mobile game because Ko Kojima's, you know, been doing weird kind of games about, you know, being... Just connecting with people and, and whatever, a la Death Stranding, whatever the hell that game was all about. Uh, it it would be interesting to see him try and come and do some super weird artistic thing. I guess it seems like too big a risk to me that that they'd want to do that. Um, but you never know; could happen. Uh, for me personally, I'm kind of hoping that's not the case because uh, I'm not the huge gamer on phone so to speak um i like the idea of the console streaming thing or whatever the xbox has been doing a mess around with that and that's fun but uh just your standard mobile game or whatever is usually kind of weak sauce i guess if kojima's involved then probably not going to be super terrible but uh 
I don't know. That's, that's a gimmick. <laughs> or at least it sounds to me like that would be a gimmick. Um, but as far as anything that the game could be, I have absolutely no idea. Um, we've certainly seen, you know, what Kojima's done in the past. Wouldn't shock me if Xbox would be just kind of interested in getting something similar to that on, you know, the platform or whatever. Again, try and bring over people that, you know, have been looking for those experiences, used to getting them on PlayStation, now can't. Uh, yeah, I have no idea. No idea. <laughs> yeah, this one will definitely be really interesting going forward. I, for one, am super on board with, with the rumor, whatever, that people are rotating around about doing a Silent Hill remake. Um, or at least the, the gaming franchise. We had Silent Hill 1 and 2, I believe it was, uh, that they brought out HD, but that was just essentially 1080. But I, I think I would crap myself to play a Silent Hill, like 4K, RTX, the full nines. Um, the thing that really kind of interests me and what we've seen recently with acquisitions, which we're going to talk about here in a second, is the idea if Kojima, who previously felt somewhat restricted, um, when uh he was working previously with oh gosh what was it konami uh yeah, yeah he you know he, they basically parted ways because he felt super restrictive and so death stranding was kind of an example of letting the leash off this guy if you will i'm wondering now if working with daddy warbucks uh microsoft via xbox is going to go ahead and kind of unleash his creative side to the point where they both feel that you know, they could really do something with this partnership and this one game turns into a full-blown Kojima Productions acquisition. I don't know if that's going to be a thing. Um, I think that would be definitely a gut punch on the PlayStation side, especially since they just made efforts this year by acquiring Housemark Studios and Fire Sprite Studios. Uh, the, I mean, Housemark, Housemark's got a pretty good pedigree where they made Returnal, another... Uh, big name that they had was Resogun, which basically debuted uh, on the PS4. Um, so they, they've got some good games. And then Fire Sprite, I guess, is going to help PlayStation by expanding their VR studios, which we already know that PlayStation VR 2.0, if you will, is going to be coming out. So I'd be definitely interested to see what's going to happen with those. But uh, as far as the the acquisition front, I mean, yeah, we're on the heels of, and just starting to see the fruits of the labor with the Bethesda acquisition by Xbox. You got uh, on the PlayStation side of the house, the two I mentioned, they're, they're also leaked slash rumored that they were going to acquire Bluepoint. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of the buying of first party. And we talked about this offline where you know, it's kind of been this back and forth if we look at it in donning our console war hats because we're going into it. Uh, PlayStation went ahead and handedly won, if you're looking at it from the sense of first-party exclusive, handedly won the last generation, the PS4, the Xbox One generation. Uh, and then Xbox kind of took those lickings and kept on ticking and acquired it, 23 studios, if we count the uh, Xbox Game Studios Publishing, which does kind of the second-party partnership stuff, 23 studios. And now on the PlayStation side of the house, we're looking at somewhere in the range of 13. I mean, do you see any more acquisitions coming up in the, in the near future here, Matt? Or are there any that, you know, interest you that you would like to see acquired? I know you're uh, a fan of Yeah, that. I mean, I can't say. Yeah, I mean, I can't say that I've really got any that I like want to see happen um as far as anything that's likely to occur 
Uh, also kind of hard to say. <laughs> I don't I don't have any solid, you know, insider or sources giving me info to be able to say with any certainty who may buy what. Uh, I'm sure that there will be either, you know, targets that they've got in their in their sites or even, you know, deals that will attempt to be brokered. But uh, yeah, I, I can't say that I have any suspicion on what truly may happen with that. I got you. I got you. I'm I'm still gonna stick with my my rumor slash hope uh, that uh, PlayStation will still acquire some unique talent that's gonna go ahead and build out their portfolio a little more. And I still, as crazy as it sounds, uh, hope that Xbox will eventually uh, have the potential of acquiring Sega or Crytek, um, those two in particular, and I think uh, IO Interactive. You know, who knows, because they're making that Bond game, but who knows, because they, they were fishing for publishers before. So who knows if maybe, you know, they want to angle by the way of uh, getting hooked up with one of these big players and having a dedicated publisher in the future. I mean, it could be, you know, another one, either a, a 2K or, or some of those other guys as well. We don't know, but uh, that that's my hopes, at least. But you know what we don't need to hope for? You ready for this one? You ready for this one? Is more stuff coming to Game Pass and PlayStation Now subscription services? And so the last rumor mill that we're going to kind of go on here today is uh, back in April. I don't, don't ask me why this is making news lately. Uh, but back in April, you had David Jaffe, who was a previous Sony exec. He worked on stuff like the Twisted Metal title and God of War. He went ahead and said that sources inside Sony have confided in him and told him that... Sony is packing an Xbox Game Pass counterpunch, and that's going to come out. We didn't see it at the PlayStation Showcase. They didn't show it off there, and at least to my chagrin, I feel like a lot of major PlayStation announcements have been coming via blog rather than being any kind of splashy YouTube or anything like that this year or last year for that matter. Um, but Matt, what do you think? Uh, I'll let you go first because I am. A PlayStation Now subscriber, and I can tell you about that service. Uh, but I want to hear what you think about this rumor and and what it could potentially mean. Uh, well, I mean, I I guess I couldn't really say for sure. I'm not really tuned into the PlayStation kind of ecosystem, if you will. Uh, however, if it's going to be something that they really think is going to contend with Microsoft, I mean, I I guess they could just you know do the same exact thing. I'm not sure how PlayStation Now is structured. Um, I definitely think that they would need to get their act together and kind of offer some, you know, back compatibility on titles, hopefully at like a fairly cheap cost. I, I, again, I'm not really clued into what the PlayStation Now is or, you know, what the PlayStation Network looks like these days. Uh, maybe that's supposed to be bundled up into the PlayStation now as well. But, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're going to have to offer something that will actually feel like a decent value to your average consumer. Xbox has done a good job of really trying to, you know, offer you something for the price, even if it's not always like, you know, like a, a mind-blowing, amazing deal because you're not getting some title i guess that you know is coming out and is the new hotness it's still an incredible amount of content that you're able to access with some pretty interesting day ones and some cool other stuff 
on Game Pass uh, to compete, they're going to have to, you know, at least kind of match that, whether it's just directly trying to, you know, offer the same kind of service or if it's, you know, through access to older titles that they weren't offering previously that, you know, are available for a small monthly fee rather than, you know, oh, yeah, you're going to pay, you know, $20 a piece for these games that are 20 years old, 25 years old or whatever. Uh, I don't know. They, yeah, and I'll, and I'll, yeah, I'll pick up what you're dropping there with regard to the PlayStation Now. So I, I was very fortunate that I wanted to put my money where my mouth is, you know, and I talk praises about Game Pass because I think it's a fantastic deal, albeit I've got my ends where I, I get it on the low. Um, but for PlayStation Now, they had a sale, I want to say this was a year, year and a half ago now, where it was literally half off. So it was like $30 for a year. And I said, you know what, hands down, let me let me get on this. So I, I went ahead and bought a couple years worth of that. I paid for it up front. And I've tried the service. Now, disclaimer, I tried it with my previous ISP and I've since switched uh, service providers. So I haven't tried it yet. But I'm not entirely satisfied. Like I, I hate saying it, it really brings me some pain. Uh, especially because I've tried it on uh, my PS4 Pro and the service leaves something to be desired. There's definitely a back catalog there, but if you're playing anything previous to PS4 generation titles and they, they got something like 97 or 98% of the PS4 titles uh, that they made back compat, not all of those are necessarily available on PlayStation now, but what they did is they made the PlayStation 4 games available for download. So it's not just streaming only. But if you want to play some of those other back compat titles, whether PS3 or earlier, guess what? You're going to be streaming them. And the stream quality leaves, that. that is the number one thing that leaves something to be desired. Uh, I don't know if it's something based on the infrastructure in our country that it's not up to snuff yet here in the United States or what but it's it's not as great of an experience and that's not to say it's just a console handicap because i went ahead and not too long ago i beat it up or i beat it up i <laughs> i booted uh zero dawn uh on my pc and i tried streaming it to pc uh, again, the only disclaimer being it, it was on my previous ISP, but I don't think that's a factor because I had gig service uh, and it was not great. It was not great. It was choppy. I could definitely see what was going on, but I felt as though I was still rocking around with like a Samsung Galaxy S3 or something trying to watch a YouTube video. It, just, it, it was choppy. It wasn't a super enjoyable experience. That's nothing to say about the latency there. So I agree with you that they would have to, you know, kind of step it up a notch in the in this quote unquote counterpunch. The big things I would look for is making their previous titles that are back compat, again, PS3 and earlier, available for download. You've got this super powerful console in the PS5. How is it that this thing doesn't have some type of emulation engine, even if it was cell right. or whatever before? Like, why is it that we can't have some type of emulation software to play those old games? Like it they're not even you can't even put a disc in and play it in your ps5 so why can't you download it and use some type of emulation engine um i think that would be probably the biggest one because at least from what we've seen and what you and i have talked about with playstation backtracking their steps uh vis-a-vis -vis the playstation 4 to playstation 5 pricing and upgrading and all that 
they're really PlayStation is really not kind of saying anything in favor of the gamers, and I don't mean to to make them seem anti-consumer, but they're really not saying anything like, "Hey, we are actually going to go blow for blow and be on board with uh, day one first party titles, day and date release." I I don't see that happening for PlayStation now, and and that's the best thing I could think of is the back compat catalog having that type of enhancement where you can download the games and play them. Uh, and for in my case in particular, I'd love for them to make all the stuff, whether it's just PS4 or more, the back compat available for download on PC too, because I think they've started to see, particularly through Epic Game Store and Steam, where you got Death Stranding, Horizon Zero Dawn, Days Gone. You got a couple PlayStation first parties that are out there now in the wild on PC. And I would like to think that they've seen good fruits of that labor come to fruition there. So um, I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens with it. You got any more thoughts on that one? No, I mean, that was kind of my main thing. Yeah. My main thought on that. It's like, if you can make the, your back, you know, catalog kind of available for a monthly fee or whatever, that's reasonable. Like that would be, that would be a pretty solid offering. <laughs> There's a lot of, a lot of good games in there like that. Like for me as somebody who hasn't really gotten to experience many of the old titles that they're famous for and who would like to hop in but is certainly not going to be able to you know purchase all of the older consoles or whatever and find discs to play them all or whatever if i can you can sell me a ps5 that i can then also get a subscription and play all the other cool stuff that i've missed out on over the years i mean that's that's a pretty strong proposition there Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Like, if you say that, hey, PS5 going forwards, play all PlayStation generation games, like, yeah, you just have to subscribe to this service, even if they, they are, you know, getting some bumps and bruises along the way with improving the stream quality, I'd be on board with that. That's an even bigger sales pitch. And I would say that probably qualifies as their counterpunch uh, to Xbox's Game Pass. Uh, and with that, let's talk about our qualifiers for this week. Matt, what have you been playing? Uh, well, not, not, not a whole lot to be completely honest, but I, I just purchased civilization six on an Xbox. That's the kind of on sale playing a bunch of that. That's been cool so far. Uh, otherwise not a whole lot started an outward campaign with my girlfriend. We played that for a couple of hours and so haven't gotten very far into that either, but, uh, hoping to get more time into both of those here uh, very soon. Good to hear. That's good to hear. And, uh, you know, I, I don't believe you're on the socials yet or anything. So what do you what do you in the meantime, until we hear from you next time, what do you think you're going to be playing or where where do you want people to try and catch up with anything that uh, is going on in your life? Is that mainly going to be here on the podcast? Uh, that'll mainly be here on the podcast for right now. Eventually, I'll hop on this Twitter thing and start getting that online, although I'm not sure how much I'll have to share for myself or whatever. <laughs> but uh, at some point in the future, yeah, I'll try and get into having some more uh, content available for people. I got you. Yeah, and I definitely need to start getting uh, back into recording gameplay because the stuff I've been playing this week has just been crazy, and there's there's so plentiful. Um I mean, I went ahead and just recently, earlier today, actually, I was playing uh, It Takes Two with my wife, and that's been pretty fun, uh, albeit challenging at some parts. She is definitely not the three-dimensional 
uh, platform gamer. She's much more of like the old school Sonic and Donkey Kong kind. So we've learned that. So we're, we're working through that together. Uh, also went ahead and uh, played some Civ 6 with you. Uh, went ahead. Gosh, what else have I been playing? I tried. I dipped into Hades finally. And I'll tell you what, I'm scared. Uh, I, I, I donned myself the Rogue Master last week. And I'm terrified because I feel once I really start getting into this game, I'm going to be in it for quite some time. So I did get into that. I got through, I don't know, maybe uh, probably about 20 or 30 runs already. Uh, so unlocked a couple different uh, weapons, a couple uh, couple different Greek gods and everything. So I'm getting to see what, what a gem that game actually is. Uh, when I am not playing that, I know we played a little bit of Rocket League uh, recently, get, dipping into their Gridiron. Uh, event that they put out with uh, football season and uh, otherwise my de facto slay the spire i've tried to break myself of that unhealthy relationship uh, but you know just like every unhealthy relationship sometimes you butt dial you know what i'm saying so I, i've <laughs> been back into that once in a while but outside of that um yeah if anybody wants to find me uh they can check me out known as ice on all things gaming and social and uh matt you got anything else before we sign off here uh nothing important have a good night everybody excellent excellent and so uh with that this will be episode two of gaming's greatest generation podcast and ladies and gentlemen we will catch you next time Thanks for listening to the Gaming's Greatest Generation podcast. We hope you enjoyed your time with us today. If you have any feedback for the show or would like to contribute ideas, feel free to call 702-690-9292 or email us at gamingsgreatestgeneration at gmail.com. You can also join the Discord community by following the link in the show notes. See you next time.